Hi, I'm Bro Workman, and we're talking teams. This week, I had a great opportunity to sit down with my dear friend, master coach, senior consultant, and seven-figure team leader, Cleve Gaddis, as he broke down for us step-by-step how to find and create inventory in a low-inventory market. There's a lot of theories, and there's a lot of plans, and a lot of bullcrap on what really works. Stay tuned for Cleve Gaddis as we break down the real deal on how to create inventory in your business in a market where you don't think there is any. You know, there's market conditions and there's business problems. And when we start masterminds, and we do it all the time, I always ask my team leaders, what's your most urgent business problem? And right now, who can guess what the number one thing comes up as their most urgent business problem? You can say it out loud, you can type it in, doesn't matter. What's your most urgent listing? Finding listings. Yep, not enough inventory, low inventory. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you all that that's not your most urgent business problem. That's a market condition. The market condition is there are fewer listings today than there were a year ago or even a month ago. The business problem is you don't have the few that there are. So it's not that we have a listing problem. It's that you don't have any of the listings. And so what I like to say to people is it's a prospecting problem or a knowing where to go find inventory in a low inventory market. And so what we did is we brought one of our master coaches, senior consultant, seven-figure team leader, and just all-around great guy, Cleve Gaddis into a webinar today to talk about how he coaches some of the elite teams in the world, as well as his own, on how to identify and find inventory in markets where people say there isn't any. How many of you, if you can get one idea that will help you generate one new listing a week, would say that today was worth being here for? Who's in? Show me by the raise of hands. Everybody in? All right. Well, I promise you, you're going to get a lot more than one. We're recording this. I want everybody to stay tuned to the very end. Cleve's going to give you a landing page. You'll be able to download all of his thoughts and comments. It's a valuable gifts and giveaways. So buckle up, check your seats, look at the right and the left, strap in. We're getting ready to rock. Cleve, I'm going to turn it over to you. Welcome. Thank you for being here, everybody. Let's let's go find some inventory. My pleasure, Burl. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start out by asking a question. How many of you um, go to trainings and you learn something brand new or what percentage of you go to training and you learn things that you probably had heard before that you should be doing that you're not doing? Isn't when you say that last group is probably more of it, you know, we for those of us who've been around a while, we've sort of heard it all. And I did this presentation for a, a big nationwide brokerage in the last couple of weeks. And I got tons and tons of correspondence from people saying, hey, you've reminded me of things that I used to do 20 years ago, that I used to do 30 years ago, that I used to do 15 years ago, but that I haven't done lately because the market has been so good, it's been so different. So I wanna prepare you that we're not gonna teach you concepts that you haven't thought about before. We're gonna teach you- another thing I'm gonna say, I brought it to mind. I actually have with me in my purse today. The host muted me by mistake. That I don't think that noise was coming from my line. Thanks for uh, whoever at WSS is, is is working on getting the noise out of the way. So you're not going to learn concepts today that are brand spanking new. You're going to learn concepts today that you probably learned in the past that should be applied in today's world. And I want to start out with a basic concept. When it comes to helping buyers find homes and win homes, There's only two choices for buyer's agents, two choices for buyer specialists. They are either part of the solution in finding a home or they are part of the problem. 
Now, the issue is, LaShonda, is that it is so easy for buyer specialists, people who are working with buyers, to get the same frustration that the buyers are getting. So I want you to think about this. Alice and Jim want to buy a house in Charlotte, North Carolina. They have made 14 offers on 14 different homes and haven't won one yet. Now, you think you have it bad as a real estate professional because you're not able to make the commission on the sale which you so desperately need. But your needs are nothing. Your needs pale in comparison to someone who is looking for a new place to live. For someone who is relocating to the Charlotte area or relocating to Florida or relocating wherever else, their whole life is on hold because the market is tight. So as we move forward thinking about these, we're going to try to give you things that will redirect your thinking, that will make you think differently, more creatively, because if you cannot find somebody, Angelina, a home within their current criteria in their geographic area, then you better start looking for other things in other places. And it's that simple. And things can, the inventory can be so, so different. So this is about helping buyers who feel stuck, who feel chained to their current living circumstances and can't break free to get to where they want to be to make their life complete or have their kids in the right school district or whatever it is. What we're going to talk about is how you help those people stay focused until they can achieve what they need in order to be successful in life. Does that make sense to everybody? Verl, any questions or comments on that? No, I think it's right on. It's, it's, when we are so focused on how much work we're doing to get a contract, we stop putting the buyer's best interest to really thinking about what they need first. And no one really cares about us. And I, and I, I love that you said that in a way that sounded a lot nicer than what I just said. But the reality is, is people care about themselves and their families, not about, not about their realtor. And our job is to serve regardless of whether or not we get paid. And if you'll serve enough people with the right attitude, the commission and the money is going to take care of itself. But you got to have a strategy behind it. So let's get into some strategy and talk about the methodology behind the concept. So you, you, are, so, you are so right, bro. I want to start with something that's a little bit unusual. Uh, and I am, for those of you who know me, I am very big into listening to the words to songs. And I get messages from, I believe, my higher power through songs, things that I'm supposed to be learning, things that I'm supposed to be paying attention to. They, it comes to me through the words of music. So I want you guys to listen to about 20 seconds of this song. And then we're going to go through and we're going to dissect the words. And then we're going to jump into some very usable tips for you to use moving forward. This is a group called the Avid Brothers out of Raleigh, North Carolina. There's a darkness upon you that's flooded in light. In the fine print they tell you what's wrong and what's right. And it flies by day and it flies by night and I'm so we're going to stop it right there. And I want to go back through those words again. So I don't know if you could tell from the graphics, but it was an area that had no development, no confusion. Everything was easy to understand. And all of a sudden you have all of this growth and all of this noise and all of these things all over the place that are keeping you confused. And the words are, there is a darkness upon you that's flooded in light. 
And in this particular case, it means it's flooded in distractions. You've got a darkness upon you. You can't achieve what you want to achieve. And you've got all of this noise going on around you, which makes it worse. It says, and the, in the fine print, they tell you what's wrong and what's right. And Melissa, I think what they're saying is you're getting messages from all kinds of people all over the world. But the reality is, is most of those messages are self-serving. They are designed to help the person who's messaging to you and not necessarily you. And in the fine print, they tell you what's wrong and what's right. It makes it worse. And then it says, and it flies by day and it flies by night. They should have just said it goes on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It never stops because that's the truth. The reality is, is a buyer who's trying to buy a home in today's world and they can't do it. They are in a place of darkness that is flooded with light and confusion. And only in the fine print can they find what they're really supposed to be doing. And it flies by day and it flies by night. And here it to me is the most important words. And it says, and I'm frightened by those who don't see it. And I'm frightened by those who don't see it. And in another word, we could say, Deb, that I feel sorry for people who don't see it. And what they're talking about, in my opinion, as it relates to my life, is that I am supposed to be a beacon of light. I'm supposed to be a leader. I'm supposed to help people figure out ways to get from where they are, regardless of how crappy and how dark and how confusing it is, and to help them figure out how to get where they're going. So as we get into this presentation and I'm gonna start the slides, I want you to remember this. This is about helping buyers who feel stuck, who are sad, who are depressed, who are frustrated, who are complaining to their husband or complaining to their wife because they can't find a house, who want to fire their current realtor because they've never educated them on what to do in multiple offer situations. What we're talking about today is designed to help these people. And the more purposeful we get around that, the better off we will be. You don't ever have to worry about money in real estate if your purpose is strong enough. So real quickly, for those of you who might be interested, if you ever wanna hear any of my other thoughts on real estate, on market activity, I do a radio show every Saturday morning uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern time in Atlanta, Georgia, and you don't need to actually listen to the radio show, but the radio show is sliced up into four different podcasts and it's published on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. So if you're interested, just go to one of those sites, type in Cleve Gaddis, and you can follow my thoughts on real estate for whatever they're worth, good or bad. And you might, might agree with some and disagree uh, with some, but you get to hear me talking about um, the, the market. So the topic for today is out of stock, finding inventory in a low inventory market. And we want to start with concept number one. And this is so simple, but buyers, agents, and buyer specialists don't really do this. And Verl, I'd love to get your thoughts. As somebody comes into your database, uh, let's say you set them up in your CRM, you set them up on an automated search or an e-alert or whatever they call it, your average buyer's agent, Anthony, decides, I'm just going to send those leads I'm gonna send those listings to the buyers and I'm gonna let the buyers tell me when they find something that they want to go see. And I wanna ask you a question, Verl, and my question is, what is it about that buyer that makes them in any way qualified by looking at pictures online to determine which houses they should see and which houses they shouldn't? Absolutely nothing. I think that it, we're, when you're sending auto hot sheets and waiting for the buyer to call you and say, oh, I found one I wanna see, it's already too late. It's already too late. It's already too late. But and listen, let's just say, let's just pretend for a minute, Verl, that you were my client and you were just so into it. I have some clients that are so into searching that they will find stuff before I do. The problem is, 
that if I'm not helping them identify some of the properties, then I am following them instead of leading them. And nobody, no buyer wants to work with a buyer specialist that's following them around. They want to work with a buyer specialist that's leading them through the process. So here's a tip I'd like to give you just in this first slide or this first tip. And there's 14 of these tips. So get ready. If you're not identifying a minimum of one property and sharing one specific criteria or feature of that property with every e-alert that goes out to your buyer client. So let's say they get four properties sent to them today. You should be getting a copy of the same email. You should see everything. You need to go through one of those, all of those properties. And you need to find one property that stands out to you and one reason why. And so it goes something like this, Kelly. I say, hey, this is Cleve Gaddis following up from Blankety Blank Real Estate Company. I wanted to make sure you saw the listing at 1234 1st Street that I sent to you, listen, that I sent to you first thing this morning, even though the system did it. I wanted to make sure you noticed that it had that perfectly colored red door like you and I saw when we were out a couple of weeks ago and the play set in the backyard, I swear I want to play on it myself. That's how you move people forward. So it is one specific property, one specific feature. And if you're an agent and you're working with buyers, learn that concept because you will move people forward in the process like you have never seen before. But you got to lead the way. So the first thing, Verl, any comments on this before we move to the next one? No, I think that our, our, our communication cannot be generic. We have to stand out. And finding inventory sometimes is about um, helping them understand that, that, you know, I've been a homeowner for 30 years and I have yet to have a house with a three-car garage, which is my dream house. And so I've been okay with um, the right house for right now, as opposed to getting everything I want. And in today's market, if you're trying to get everything you want and you're not communicating the key features that matter to the client, they're going to continue to think that they have to have everything, including the three-car garage. But what really matters is I wanted to be in a certain neighborhood close to my kids and close to the schools. So those things were more important than the three-car garage. And I was willing to give up, even though I never told my realtor that. Exactly right. So when I first started in real estate, people would tell me all day, every day, buyers are liars, buyers are liars, buyers are liars. And I thought how disrespectful that is because they're not really liars. I mean, they're not, I believe most people are honest. And it finally dawned on me after about six months candy of listening to that comment that what they were saying was buyers don't know enough to tell you the truth about what they're looking for. So whatever they say they want, it really doesn't have anything to do with what they will buy. And I think that's a very important thing to remember. So let's jump back to the presentation. If you are trying to connect with a buyer, in your first initial meeting, you need to ask so many questions. This happens to be sort of an information gathering sheet that we use to collect information on what kind of kitchen they want and what are the ages of a, of a house they're looking for. Do they need a basement or not a basement? And so we gather criteria very, very specifically. So if I was talking to Verl and Verl said, I want to live in this area with this feature and this three-car garage and this many bedrooms and this many bathrooms, I would actually gather all that information so I knew what he was looking for, but I would not set up the search that way. I would set up the search just to show him the geographic area he's looking for and to show him everything, everything. And I would tell him, okay, now, Verl, we're going to be looking at some listings that don't match your criteria because sometimes it's not listed correctly in the listing service. Sometimes there's an extra bedroom here that would satisfy for not having a bedroom here. There's all kinds of things. So we need to, and I'm going to give you this concept a couple of times. We need to, Daryl, know, K-N-O-W, what we're saying no, N-O, to. 
And so the only way to know that you're saying yes to the right thing is to know enough about the things you're saying no to. So gather criteria specifically because it makes your buyer prospect feel more connected to you. Because Anthony, if I ask you lots of questions, about what you're looking to buy, I make you feel like I care about you and I care more about you, Angela, than anybody else you've talked to in this process. But then I can't take that same criteria and use it to search because when I do that, it's going to show me this many listings. And you can't do that. Sometimes we're causing our own problems. So gather criteria specifically, but search generally. Verl, any con uh, comments here? No, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about is when you're talking about finding inventory, our goal isn't just to give them inventory they already have access to, right? And so, and so how do we, how do we expand what we're searching that's different from the, what everybody else is looking for on the MLS? And I like to say, when you send a property out or someone says, I want to look at a property, you know, we've got to find one more. And so what are you going to do to find one more off-market property, one additional property, show them that might also work? Now, we should never show one property. And you no. may be getting to that, Cleve, but I'm just thinking. No, 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 no. Actually, uh, that, that is even, that's not really part of today's presentation, but, but you should never show one property. I was on with a team a couple of days ago, Verl, and the coolest thing happened. They have a listing marketing person who takes kind of care of all of the marketing that goes on with the listings, but she's the one who is most in tune with the listings that are about to flow into the market. And so I watched where she pulls up photos of the listings that the listing partner took when they were out there. She talks about the price. She talks about the changes that are being made. And what's interesting, Daryl, is it gives everybody on that team something to sell that nobody else can sell. And if you want to talk about a way of generating leads control the listing. So those six or seven or eight or 10 listings, Verl, that they talked about on that call that should be coming in the next, you know, four to six weeks, those can facilitate hundreds of calls to people to say, we've got one, it's in the Buford School District, it's five bedrooms, it's this, it's 3,700 square feet, full unfinished basement, whatever. That happened to be one of the examples that they used. And so you need to make sure you're doing things to show people off-market properties, especially the ones you control. And if I can add to that, I would just simply say that if somebody wants access to the off-market properties in the coming soons, then all we need from you is an agreement that says, if we bring you a property, you use us as an agent. And so we use that as part of getting the buyer agreement signed so that we can create more exclusivity. What happens in a market like this is buyers agents don't want to, buyers don't want to sign agreements because they want to buy from whoever brings them the property. And so if you have something unique that is not available to them unless they sign an, uh, a buyer agreement like off-market property, that creates urgency to get the agreement signed and allows you to have more loyalty from your clients and they're not, you know, running around to whoever holds the house open that week. And uh, it almost eliminates somebody saying, well, I was looking for a buyer's agent that would give me half the commission back or 1% back or something like that, because it's not even logical to say, I want you to show me properties that nobody else can see and I want to pay you less for helping right. you have access to them. Like they could do it and some people would do it, but it's not logical. So they have a hard time making that jump. So let's go into our next topic and that is considered different geographic areas. I was on with the team in the last week. They were talking about looking in one specific zip code versus another specific zip code. So the buyer was coming in and they wanted to look at, let's just call it three to below nine, seven zip code. And one of the neighboring zip codes is 30047, similar quality schools, not as good a quality schools, but similar area. 
And this is what amazed me. You can drive from one of these zip codes to the other zip code in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So it's just like right there. They're just like right here, Verl. And in the 30047 zip code, in that second zip code, Anthony, a buyer was twice as likely to be able to land a home in that zip code as in the primary zip code. So in the primary zip code they were searching for, there was one month worth of inventory, four weeks worth of inventory. In the other zip code, the, the uh, inventory was two months. And I don't care how you slice it. If you have two months worth of inventory, buyers have twice as many choices as if they have one month's inventory. And so when you're working with buyers, don't be afraid to look at inventory analysis and to make sure that everybody understands when you're analyzing inventory, you just take the sales, the total sales for that zip code or whatever geographic area or high school district for 12 months and you divide it by 12. And then you look to see how many listings are currently active. And then you divide the number of sales per month into the active inventory and it'll tell you how many months of inventory you have. If you have less than four months worth of inventory, it is a seller's market. If you have four or five months worth of inventory, it is a balanced market. If you have over five months worth of inventory, it is a buyer's market. And that's just the way it is. Any questions or comments there, Burl? No, I love the idea of expanding your search. Another way of thinking that is fishing where other people aren't fishing. The reason there's only four weeks of inventory is in that one area. I remember fishing in Alaska and uh, doing combat fishing on the Russian River. And I went out there and there was like a thousand people standing shoulder to shoulder with fly rods trying to hook a salmon in the mouth. And it was like, you had to get in this rhythm and then you pull back and try and get it. And after catching a couple of fish, my little 12 year old son would get one on the line and tangle everybody else's line. And it kind of felt like representing a buyer today with 40 other people with tangled lines trying to get a deal done. The next day we got hooked up with a guide, someone who actually knew what they were doing that took us on a private farm up river away from where everybody else was fishing. We're in the same river with the same inventory and we just slayed it, catching fish after fish after fish. So you have to think about how do I fish or how do I, how do I go where not everybody else has a line in the water? And I love this concept of just expanding your geographic area. I think that's a brilliant way of, of fishing upstream. And so I saw a, uh, a team analyze inventory in all of the zip codes they worked in and then they color-coded the zip codes as green. This is a good place to go by. Yellow, maybe, maybe not. Red, oh, Lord, you're going to have a hard time getting a deal. And what an amazing marketing concept because they were able to tell people what specific geographic areas they could go to to buy properties where they were more likely to get a deal from a seller or find a motivated seller. LaShonda, is that cool or what? I mean, that is cool when you think about it. Heather, could you use that concept to generate more buyer leads? If you just, if you just explain that concept online to, on your personal Facebook page to your sphere of influence in your top 50, it would be huge. So the next slide is really a combination of all of the first slides because everything we're saying is get buyers to go consider properties that they wouldn't typically consider. But Anthony, the message is you have to educate the buyer. So you've had buyers before who've worked with you or other buyer's agents who say, I told my agent what I wanted. And after the fourth time of pulling up in a driveway and the house is not what I wanted, I fired that agent. Well, the only problem with that is because the agent is not preparing the buyer in the first place. You have to say, if you're going to be absolutely positively sure about the decision you do make, I need to make sure that you know all of the houses that you're saying no to. Paula, does that make sense to you? 
You have to know what you're saying no to. So you have to tell them we're going out today, Tim, by the way, from Atlanta, by the way, uh, got to love me some Tim down in uh, down in the Decatur area. Um, you got to be able to make sure you're telling the buyers, I'm going to take you and show you properties that might not be what you're looking for, but you have to know K-N-O-W what you're saying no to. It is so, so, so very important. Burl, any comments or thoughts there? No, keep going. I love it. So uh, we didn't talk about this, Verl, but so if you're on the call and you're thinking, hey, okay, yes. Cleve, can you take your um, 100%, turn it to like 150 or 200%? Sure, 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 so sure. Slide fills the screen. I sure can. Sorry about that. Thank you for mentioning that, Verl. Oops. Yep. That's great. We'll do it right there. How about that? Much better. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you for that. I should. I, the problem is when I show it in slide presentation mode, I can't get to any of my other tabs. So, I know, it takes over. So, that's why I'm doing it this way. So, Verl, you and I didn't talk about this in this this document. So, um, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission because it's too dang late to change it. So, this is the 30, 60, 90 day sort of benchmarking plan for how we train and develop buyer specialists that show during the first 30 days, they should get an understanding of this and next 60 days, they should be proficient on this. And in the next 90 days or the next 30 days, they should be mastering these things. And if you stay on till the end, we're going to let you download a free copy of this. And how does this fit into today's message? It's very simple. If you incorporate these strategies, and by the way, if all of you are nice, especially Anthony, if we can just get Anthony to behave better, then I might be willing to give you guys a copy of this presentation, the entire presentation, so you can take it and use it. So Anthony, I don't want you to feel any pressure, but it all hinges on you and you're paying attention to your attitude. I got thumbs up from Anthony, so we're good. So that's one of the gifts. So the two things you'll get if you'll stay until the end or are a PDF file of the entire presentation so you can see all the slides. And then you're gonna get this three page document which gives you the checklist of things buyers, specialists need to master. And all of these 14 concepts need to be included in that 90 day program. It'll be a winning strategy and that is how our most successful team leaders and team members who are being coached by Workman Success Systems, that's how they're developing their people. And they're converting probably twice as many buyers, uh, buyer prospects into buyers as your average team is because they're teaching people what to do. Now let's jump into the next concept. And that is you got to search for sale by owners on Zillow or other sites. This presentation or this concept, Verl, was taught at a national real estate brands annual convention. And it was one of the only concepts that a national writer who writes for Housing Wire decided he wanted to comment on. And the reason he commented, Verl, is because he thought I was saying that you should sell off market properties so that you should not cooperate like our new cooperation rules are requiring. And I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is you owe it to buyers to search FISBOs on Zillow and other sites to see if you can partner or pair up a buyer with a particular seller. Now, the problem, Verl, is that once I start doing that, I put myself out there where I might not be paid any commission from the seller. But if you explain the situation to your buyer in the first place and say, do you want me to bring these to you in this particular case, the fee to you would be this, they might say, absolutely sign me up. And the reality is most of us on the phone, if we had to sell a property to a buyer, Veronica, we had to get no commission, but we took care of one of our clients, we would probably do that before we would let them not find a home. 
And so I don't see what people's problem is when it comes to going and showing them some FISBOs from Zillow and other sites. Verl, any comments there? Um, no, I think that that's a great idea. There's a lot of people that are raising their hand and saying they want to sell their property, but they don't trust realtors or they think they can do it without the commission. And the majority of those people are where all lawsuits come from. So people need to go in represented, especially when they're buying from one of these online sites or one of these things. And you just have to have dialogue and you have to show your value in the process that protects them because what they would pay you is minuscule into what it costs them to make a bad decision or to get into a property that's not fully disclosed or something where the seller or the lister hasn't even viewed the property, which in a lot of cases, that's it with these. And what's interesting, Burrow, is the process for converting that for sale by owner seller to into your your client and genuinely helping, genuinely serving your buyer, regardless of whether or not you have the opportunity to make money, one does the other. Meaning when I'm dealing with you, Verl, as a for sale by owner seller, and I'm taking care of your interest and I'm, I'm working for my client's interest and I'm being genuine and open and transparent, I'm solving, I am satisfying your main objection, which is no real estate people don't care about you. So you don't need to have them. So if you just get out there and interact with these sellers and be genuine and true and open and try to help them by helping your buyer clients, you'll be surprised. You're going to have a certain number of people that will just call you and say, hey, I want you to come back and talk to me about listing my home. What's coming to my mind, Cleve, is there's a consistent thread. And I see people like Deb that are, as you're talking, are nodding their heads at the messaging. And the messaging is the serving, regardless of the opportunity theme that has kind of carried out since the pandemic started. I think that we are so focused on selling homes that we stop serving people. And when you when you have this attitude of how can I help or how do I serve, that's when things open up to you. And there's plenty of houses being sold every day on your MLS. And so someone's doing it, right? So why not put yourself in that position? We don't create any new business. All we do is take other people's. And you have to decide by your activities and things that you focus on that you're willing to put yourself in a position to serve at a higher level so you can capture that market share. Because those people are going to buy and sell whether they use you or not. It is so true. I talk to agents every day, Vera, who say, you know, my business is down 50% from last year, 75%. I haven't closed a sale in three months because I can't get any properties. And I, and I don't say this to them, Monica, because I don't want them to feel bad, but I want to say, well, you know, mar total closings in your market are only down 3% for the year. So if your closings are down 75%, you, you have... <laughs> You have to take some responsibility. I just noticed that my friend Holly Fogel is on here today, and it's good to see you, Holly. Do not tell anybody about this presentation because this could be very similar to the one I'm going to do for your firm uh, sometime early next month. But if you got to have people's best interest at heart, and if you guys, if you do that, and if you make sure your team members do that, money follows. I have never, ever, ever seen a person who is totally committed to taking care of the interest of their clients and it'll do whatever's right. I've never seen those people not make a good living. They just, the, the two things don't go together. So it's so important. Verl, anything else there? No, as you, as you continue on and what I want to encourage everybody to do, if you have questions, go into the chat box, not oh, the Q&A and just type Cleve a question. I'll monitor that. Oh, good. Thank you, Verl. I can jump in and ask questions for Cleve to keep things rocking. I'll do that. So Cleve, um, I'll just go into questions. So let's talk about that. Perfect. So I, I'll just let you ask them uh, as they come up and I'll just keep going until they come up. Is that fair enough? Yep. Awesome. Okay. So uh, for those of you who are Workman Success Systems clients, you'll know that we teach our teams, our most successful teams to use a three 
criteria categorization program for leads. Leads are either an A, a B, or a C. For those of you who use Boomtown or Sync or high volume lead platforms, they all have their equivalent of these A's, B's, and C's. And I wanna get you the definition of these, all three of them, and then I wanna circle back to what it means to keep somebody an A. An A is somebody who's ready to buy or sell immediately who you also have an appointment with. So Anthony, if you have 12 people who are looking to buy homes right now and you only have appointments on the books for two of them, you only got two A's, my friend. A B is a buyer or seller prospect looking to buy or sell in the next 90 days. And you must follow it with them twice a month during the week, the first and the 15th. A C is a prospect who's looking to buy or sell in longer than 90 days. And Verl, I want to ask you a trick question. Is 12 years longer than or less than 90 days? It's forever and it's longer than. So the reality is, Anthony, is what that means is that everybody who's not an A or a B or is, is a C, which means everybody in your database is a C, which means they should be followed up with once a month every 30 days. So Cleve, can I expand yeah, on that please, just a little bit? Please. So so I want, to, I want to talk about the A's for a minute, because this is probably the biggest thing that you can do when representing buyers to keep people moving forward in the process. One of the biggest challenges we have is we take buyers out and they don't like the house you showed them. And you say, well, we'll send you some more and see if you want to go out sometime next week. So hold on, Merle, 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 hold on one second. I got to set a little bit more of a stage because I know where you're going and I want people to think about this. So your buyer specialist or you went out and showed properties to somebody today you found those properties by the skin of your teeth and you are absolutely convinced you're not going to be able to find any more. Now roll with what you were going to say, Burl. Right. So now your job is to find them another property, not just schedule a sometime I'll call you next week. If you don't schedule, uh, is you want to go to the beginning of the week or the end of the week, Monday or Tuesday, one o'clock or three o'clock, if you don't set a time of when you're going to look at properties and then search for a property, I don't care if you're knocking around listings. I don't care if you're doing FISBOs. I don't care if you're doing absentee owners. It doesn't matter if you're doing it expires from six months ago. Your job is to do everything you can to make sure at Tuesday at one o'clock, we have more than one house to go look at and you never show one. And what happens when you do that is you keep the buyers in this mindset of every time we go out, we're going to schedule the next appointment. And so they stay anxiously engaged in the process, knowing you're doing everything you can to get them a property. So that concept of an A lead is someone you have an appointment with, don't leave at the end of showings without scheduling the next appointment, changes the entire dynamic of your relationship and it gets people under contract faster. And it creates more of a feeling of obligation on the part of the buyer specialist or whoever is working with that buyer to continue to move that process forward. So it forces them to be creative in finding inventory because they've got to go hey, to somebody. Does that make sense? Yep. So Carlos uh, Cabrera, can you hear me? He's getting, how are you? Yes, sir. Oh my gosh. Look at you. you got your podcasting microphone there and everything. <laughs> Woo, look I want to look good. I want to okay. look good. Okay. Well, I'm glad you did. You look good already. So, uh, but the microphone seems to help. Actually, you look good and smart because the microphone look, makes it look like you really got something to say. Let me ask you a question. You take a buyer out into the field and you show them a property and you're not confident that you can find other properties for them to see. So you don't set the next appointment. Are they an A, a B, or a C? Uh, not confident. Gets the next appointment. Uh, well, Zoom could be deceiving, right? So, um, uh, I guess uh, uh, you know, 
I'm actually having on my A. I'm going to help you. I'm going to yeah, help please. you. There'll be. There'll be. Okay, got so it. So once you get that in your head that if I don't have an appointment with them, they are not an A, then it causes you to force that process to move forward. And Verl, as you remember, when we first started this call, we talked about the difference in buyers feeling like you are leading the process or if you are following if, if if you are following them, it makes them feel like a leader. Well, I think we had a question pop up. Is there one that we need to answer? So the question is, what about the what about non-solicitation or do not call list when you're calling around listings or you're knocking doors? How do you deal with that for prospective oh, FISBOs I mean, or whatever? I love yeah. that question. So um, FISBOs are not really much of an issue because you know they're listed and you know they're listed FISBO. You know, the non-solicitation is not stepping on the toes of another licensee or another brokerage in your area. And so we just make sure that we're, you know, if you called somebody and said, are you looking to sell? Um, I don't know that you necessarily have to have a disclaimer at the very beginning of that. But the truth is, is whatever correspondence, whatever communication or conversation you have are not intended to interfere in your relationship with another broker. You just have to make sure that that gets included everywhere. And I think you're in good shape. In today's oh world, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, Burl. If I had to, to risk getting a complaint because I cold called uh, somebody who's already got their property listed with somebody else, if I'm working for my buyers and if I'm serving regardless of opportunity, I, that is a risk I'm willing to take. And, I, and for me, I love that. So I knock on a door. I, matter of fact, I received just yesterday um, two text messages from agents on my cell phone saying, I've got a buyer looking at a house in your neighborhood. There were too many offers. If you thought about selling, they're ready to go with cash right now. I love it. I respond with love that you're prospecting. Probably not a good candidate, but I high five them. And the same day I had somebody knock on my door trying to see if I wanted to have my deck built. And I should, I said, I wish you were here 30 days ago. I, and I said, had conversations with them. Here's what happens when you call someone that says, oh, my house is already being listed by someone else. I say, congratulations, who's the agent? Let me reach out to them and get all the information so that I can connect them with my buyer. Like there's no downside to knocking doors or to reaching out to people. Even if they have another agent, you still get the inside track on something that's not showing up in your search. So there's no downside. Look, you already don't have the business. Knock on the door. Right. The worst things already happen. They're not using you. That's exactly right. That's such good messaging, Burl. I appreciate that. And I always enjoy your enthusiasm. By the way, the next time somebody <coughs> solicits you to sell your house, I'd like you to offer them a free coaching consultation. So one of my sales consultants at Workman can talk to him about helping him improve their business. I do. <laughs> okay. So the next one is, and this is a question buyer specialists should be asking themselves. And I know we've got 17 minutes here, Verl. Uh, so we'll, we'll get through this, but if your agents, if your buyer specialist, if you are not previewing properties without the buyer, then I will tell you you're messing up because you're not able to move quickly enough to get the deals in place. So if you've got buyer specialists, Julie, I don't know if you are a buyer specialist or if you have buyer specialists on your team, but if you ask them, are you previewing properties without the buyer? Are you doing FaceTime tours with the buyer while they're at work? Are you doing, you know, just showings on your own so that you're trying to decide inventory that might be right for the buyer? If you're not doing that, then I think they probably need to re-examine their commitment to helping the buyer find a house because you got to turn over a lot of rocks in order to find something that works in this world. Burl? Yeah, I, I think that the more you work for your client away from everybody else, the more like the, the higher likelihood you're going to get the deal done. And you're going to discover opportunities that you didn't believe existed. I think that 
we have a hard time understanding that activity breeds productivity. And that if you're anxiously engaged in doing the right things, you'll attract business to you that you didn't know was going to come. And so if you prospect every day, you look for off-market properties, you're looking for properties around, around listings that aren't sold that are that have sold that you need to find a buyer for the neighborhood. When you're doing those activities that Cleve's talking about, what happens is, is you are rewarded with business that you didn't expect. <clears throat> And I think that it's, uh, I wish that there was a system for you right now that I could say, hey, plug in this works. But what works is, is when you do the right things, business follows. And so everything works, but nothing doesn't. City, you know, just, I don't know. So I don't mean to go off here, Cleve, but I I got this. I have, you know, when I ask people how the market is, they say, well, there's no inventory. So we're really struggling. You eliminate that prospect from the market. Change the way you answer the question, how's the market? The way we answer matters. So, so, Merle, so yeah. Merle, I've got a, I've got a client in Tennessee and when somebody asks, how's the market, how is the market in your area? They say, well, home buyers who take advantage of our home vantage program, five steps guaranteed to make you win in multiple offer situations. They're being very successful. So what happens is they put together a five, do this, do this, do this. Carlos, if you looked at it, you could tell somebody what they needed to do to win in multiple offer situations. Now, it doesn't mean that they can do it, but you can tell them what they need to do to win. And so what happens is just because we're doing something for somebody, we think the rest of the world knows that we do that. And the reality is the rest of the world knows nothing about who you are, what you do, except what you tell them. So you gotta in that say particular that case, you got to say it again, give me the exact dialogue word for word and everybody write it down. Because what you just said was when you say, how's the market? Give me the response to that word for word again, it's a little bit slower. So their answer is, well, buyers who take advantage of our Home Vantage, H-O-M-E-V-A-N-T-A-G-E program, which is five steps guaranteed to make you win in multiple offer situations. They're very successful and they're able to achieve exactly what they're out, set out to achieve. And how many of you, when Cleve says that, say, well, tell me more about that. Can I, can I know more about that? You'll get a copy of the recording. You can go, but, but that's the emotional response you want from a prospect is tell me more, how are you doing that? Well, let's sit down and we do a buyer presentation, take them through that. I think that's just like, um, sorry, Je- Jennifer, that pro- we're probably not gonna do it again, but it'll just be on the recording. We'll give it to you as a recording so you can get it. And um, it's really good dialogue. Does it matter what the five steps are? Create them. No, you have them yourself. So the, the brilliance is that they have a system and that they name the system because a system has no value until you name it. So you have to say, just like, for example, a Honda is not valued any differently than a Toyota when you call them both cars but a Honda has very different features. You know, does that make sense? So you have to name it. So maybe we call it LaShonda's way. Boom. We call it LaShonda's way. People who follow LaShonda's way win in multiple offer situations because they pay over asking price. They offer an escalation clause. They get rid of financing and appraisal contingencies. They offer these huge option money deposits. I'm just making stuff up based on markets, but you know how to help people win. You know how to do it but the world doesn't know that you know how to do it. So the world is looking for somebody else to help them. And I think that is such a sad thing because they're going and working with people who only care about the commission when they could be working with someone like Heather who cares about them. And that's the, that is such a key. Let's keep rolling, Burl. <clears throat> We've, uh, people who tell you they can't go over a certain price almost always that there is no logic behind that number. 
It's what their father told them or their mother-in-law told them or it's what they read in the newspaper or the two of them were sleeping one night and they had a dream of 350. And so that came their price ceiling. But the reality <laughs> is, Verl, they can afford more than that. And so real estate agents, buyer specialists have gotten out of having much to do with the mortgage side of the business. And I say that is not a good strategy. As the real estate professional, you need to drive that mortgage process as well. So what I'm saying, Carlos, is that as I present opportunity used to buy for you to buy a property, there's only two things that you're probably considering. How much money do I have to bring to closing and how much money am I going to have to pay every month after closing? And sometimes those two numbers don't have a, and this is a technical term I learned at Harvard Business School, although I did not go to Harvard Business School, don't have a dang thing to do with the purchase price. <laughs> they, don't really? have anything, they don't have anything to do with it. They just made it up. And the agents stay out of that because they don't feel like it's their business because they're not comfortable talking about numbers. But the reality is you can have just a very simple mortgage app on your phone. And you can say, hey, Carlos, if you pay $10,000 more, your payment's going to go up $44 a month and you're going to need to bring $2,200 extra to closing. Is this worth it? And Carlos was like, $44 a month? I, I can't even go home and tell my wife that I said no to $44 a month because she'll take $44 out of my hide. Right. right. I mean, so, it's, a big Mac. it's a Big Mac and a bottle of water. I mean, it's the amount of money that changes the difference from their ability to compete is insignificant in what's happening to the housing prices over time. And, and the, the interest rates being so low create so much opportunity for people to buy. I'll let you keep cranking, Cleek, because if I could talk, we'll run out. No, this is so good. You also have to teach your agents and you have to understand how to help people understand the cost of waiting. And this is an example is somebody's looking to buy a $300,000 house today and the interest rates are 2.75%. I know they're a little over three now, but these examples still work. The house would cost 316 160 this time next year based on the appreciation for this specific geographic area. And the interest rates might be a point higher, which means the buyer would pay $239.47 a month more or $2,800 a year. But here's the number. Over a 30-year period, Verl, it's an additional cost of $86,000 if you wait. Now, Julie, I'm not trying to say that somebody should move forward, Melissa, and buy a house today so they can save $86,000. What I'm saying is they should freaking know that it's going to cost them $86,000 if they wait. It's okay for them to make, Veronica, whatever decisions they want. It's totally, totally fine for them to make whatever decisions they want. In my opinion, it's not fine for us as real estate professionals not to fully educate them about the numbers. Verl, anything there? 100%. Got to get creative. I want you to search for listings where sellers might be more motivated. In the last seven days in Metro Atlanta, Georgia, 487 home sellers reduced their price. In a market, Carlos, where every single thing that goes on the market sells instantly and has 47 offers, there were four, almost 500 sellers who reduced their price. Now, it sounds to me like that is a marketing program, Melissa, because you can go into your listing service and see which properties reduced prices in the last seven days, couldn't you? You could set up e-alerts to say in this geographic area, any price that has a, any property that has a price decrease, send them to my buyers. And guess what? We could call this our motivated seller program. Paula, so you would be 
able to help your buyers identify properties where the seller might be more motivated to negotiate with them than on other properties. And I look at that as a huge marketing benefit. So you're going to identify people who are more motivated to sell based on how long their property has been on the market. If it's been on the market longer than the average days on the market in your area, they are mad. They want to sell their house and they're motivated. Look for people who have also made pricing adjustments on their home. Carlos, if you're not letting every buyer prospect in your database know of every single property in your market area that has a decrease, you are missing the biggest marketing message you can possibly have that would attract people to you. And then I want you considering expired and withdrawn listings, both ones that are expiring or being withdrawn now. I was talking to a gentleman who says 100% of the listings in his market area fly off the shelf and sell in the first listing period. I said, great, let's analyze it in the multiple listing service. And it turns out that 72% of the properties sell and close during the first listing period, which means 28% of them, Carlos, do not. So even in markets that are very efficient and it seems like everything is flying off the shelf, it's not accurate. There are houses that are not in the right shape, not priced correctly. And I don't care what anybody tells you, they don't sell in today's market, no matter what everybody thinks. And you might be able to get yourself a good deal on those properties. You got to teach strategies for winning in multiple offer situations. This is a 12 tips for negotiating multiple offer strategy that is from the Workman Success Systems Training Center that we teach all of our private coaching clients and they teach all of their agents and we teach all of their agents and we have videos on all of it, the whole nine yards but you need to have something in place to be able to educate people. So Veronica, when do you teach somebody how to win in multiple offer situations? After they get in the multiple offer situation or before? So I'm, I'm, since you've done your hand motion, the same one I did, you're saying before. before. That's right. Yeah. Because the problem is, is if I start Angela trying to tell you what you should do after you start screwing things up, you're not going to listen to me. But if I tell you, because you're buying in this price range in this area, you're going to face multiple offers. So let's talk about the strategies. Then I increase the chances that you will actually listen to me and follow those strategies, which means I'm increasing the chances that you will no longer feel stuck, that you know, will no longer be sad or disappointed because you can't move into your new property. I'm increasing the chances, Veronica, for you to be successful. Doesn't mean you have to follow my advice. You're an adult. You don't have to follow my advice if you don't want to, but I still need to give it to you. You also need to create a process for moving quickly in writing, moving forward quickly in writing offers, which means you need to work through all of the paperwork. If you start having to negotiate and explain paperwork to somebody when you've got to have an offer in before four o'clock and you can't talk to them until 3.30, you have screwed up that process. So you need to have a sample of an old contract. You need to have a sample of a new one without financing and appraisal and all that kind of stuff and show them what is happening with people who are winning in multiple offer situations and make sure they understand the exposure they have. So Carlos, if I came to your area, and said, I want this property and you better dang well get it for me. Like, I don't care. You better get it for me. And let's just say I'm qualified to do whatever. It's up to me as an educated, independent adult. I'm 53 years old almost. I can make my own decisions. It's up to me to decide what level of risk I'm willing to take, not up to you. But in most cases, agents project their thoughts on what level of risk is appropriate onto a buyer or seller prospect. Now, if you're on the phone and you're a broker, you're thinking, oh my God, Cleve is getting off the rails here. Certainly you wanna follow your broker's instructions and you wanna make sure that you're educating people the best you possibly can. Let's keep going. And Burl, we might run just a few minutes over here, I'm sorry, but you gotta be a construction expert in your area 
New construction is going to explode all throughout the country because the economics make sense. The prices of the building materials will start coming down later this year, which means all of the builders not even being willing to lock in prices because of the cost of materials, that's going to go away. But the nice thing is in most areas, there's only one or two of the listings in a neighborhood that are listed in the listing service, which means there's eight or nine or 10 coming that wind up being your private inventory. And you get to have conversations with people about properties that nobody knows about. Maybe I got to tell you, I have, a, I have a client in Clarksville, Tennessee, that sits in front of builders, yes, uh, models that are not being manned by agents, and he'll sit there and do all of his calls to work his top fifty. And when a client comes up to get in the house and it's locked, he gets out of his Hummer and says, "You guys want to get inside? I have the key box key." And he picks up buyer after buyer, selling more houses for those builders than their agents who aren't holding them open. There is a just, I just, I mean, what are you willing to do? That's the question. And, and, and you know what, Verl, in a lot of cases, even if our intentions are so good, we just look at that and say, that's kind of out of box. I don't know that that, but that is brilliant. Yep. It is brilliant. Now, and if a builder said, stop doing it, we could stop doing it. But most of them, if you're helping them sell their houses, they would actually start to support you. They would actually start to support you. What's happened with this client is the builders have now stopped having in-house agents and started using him to list. So he's picking up huge inventory, over a hundred a year of builder inventory and selling hundreds of homes. So the, the, the tenacity and willing to work where his agents weren't has created the opportunity. And they still get their commissions because they're the listing agents on it. He goes through and brings the buyers in. They love it. Everybody wins. And they have a buyer's agent who cooperates with them instead of fighting them the entire time, yep. which everybody loves. So when you go to our download page and stay, to, stay on until the end, because I'll give you the website where you can go to download stuff, you're going to get that three-page outline that shows you the things that agents need to be learning in three different tranches over that 90-day period. You're also going to get the actual schedule of training that we use in that first 30-day period, okay? And if you decide you might want to do a business consultation and talk to Workman Success Systems about how we might help you take your business from where it is to where you want it to be, I'll give all of the business analyst instructions to give you the 60 days and the 90 day program so you can see the calendar for everything for the first 90 days that is used by the most successful teams in the country. Verl, anything there? Nope. We talked about expireds and withdrawns earlier, but we were talking about them in the current tense of expired and withdrawn. Now we're talking about go back in the listing service and look for expireds and withdrawns from the last two or three years and start calling those people to see if they might be interested in selling their homes. I will tell you, there is what I am referring to as a gurgling, a, a bubbling of inventory under the surface in today's market. There are a lot of sellers who are thinking about putting their home on the market because they don't want to miss the high watermark in terms of pricing. And sometimes you just got to call them and coax them and give them all the reasons to move forward. Sellers who don't want to move forward selling their house today because they don't have a place to move, that's not even logical. Because as a seller today, Verl, if I put my house on the market and you happen to have been to my house, so you know that at least it would be as desirable, if not maybe a little more desirable than other houses in the neighborhood. And if I put it on the market and said, I'll close in January of 2023, Carlos, if I did that long enough, I would find somebody who would agree to that in today's market. So for a seller to say, I don't want to put my house on the market because I don't know where I'm going to go, it doesn't make any sense because as a seller, you have total control. So I could say, Veronica, I'm going to close with you 90 days from now. And if that doesn't work, I'll push it 30 days. And if that doesn't work, I'll push it 30 more. And if that doesn't work, I'll push it 30 more. You can write them however you want to. So go back and look at those expires and withdrawals and make sure people understand that you see a path very clearly to get them from where they are to where they want to be. We have a buyer letter, our huge 
write this down, the response rate, 0.25%, write it down, 0.25%. So if you mail 100 letters, that's not enough to get a response. If you mail 400 letters, you'll get a response. And you just say, we got a buyer looking for your area. Here's what they're looking for. Call me and let me know if you have something and this works. And a 0.25% seems so low because we used to try to get one or 2%. These things are cheap enough out. You're only spending $300, $350 on 400 letters. And if you get one lead, I don't know about you, Carlos, but I'd pay $350 to $400 for a lead for a seller every single day of the week. So it certainly makes sense. This is how to put your people in situations to win in multiple offer situations. Make sure in states where it is allowed, there are some states where you can't do escalation clauses, but in states where it's allowed, make sure you're using escalation clauses and make sure everybody knows how to do that. Uh, sometimes sellers cannot get over what's written in the escalation clause. And it says we'll pay $5,000 more than the next highest bona fide offer up to a price that's $75,000 higher than the list price or whatever it is. And that gets the seller's attention. Another thing is that earnest money, pay a lot of earnest money. I saw a, an offer that came into a team a couple of days ago where it was $100,000 in earnest money up front, And then the full purchase price would be paid in earnest money within the first 30 days. The closing was in 60 days. I'm not saying everybody's capable of doing that, but I'm to, you want to talk about something that got the seller's attention. And then I'm going to talk about cash offers, not in the, from the position of people need to be able to pay cash for properties. That's not what I'm saying at all. You have to be able to have something in place that allows buyers who are financing to turn their financed offers into all cash offers. There are third-party vendors throughout the country. I'm not gonna advertise for any of them today. We use a couple of them in Metro Atlanta. And for a fee ranging between 1% and 2.4%, they can take Verl's pre-approval letter, financing letter, underwrite him on a purchase, and they can make it where I can make an all-cash offer for Verl, which makes his offer stand out compared to everybody else's. And listen to this, if Verl closes on that offer, on that deal using his lender, then the fee is only 1%. So it might cost Verl four or $5,000 on a four or $500,000 purchase to do that. So if you don't have a way in your market to turn financed offers into cash offers, you're probably missing something. So Verl, as we close, and you probably got some other things um, that uh, you wanna talk about, but there's a lot of scarred agents already in the market, literally have been scarred by what's happened over the last three to four months. Carlos, if I ask you late last year, what do you think is gonna happen this year? I'm almost positive that what's happened this year would not have been part of your description. <laughs> like that inventory would go away. Inventory in the state of Utah is down 67%. There are seven states in the country where inventory is down more than 60%. So you need to remember, and you need to remind all of your agents, don't trip over what's behind them. So don't let what's happened to them in the past influence the way they're thinking about something today, because I'll tell you, Veronica, a lot of them, they are gun shy from the market. They have convinced themselves that it's a bad time to buy. Well, there's gonna be in most markets in the United States, there might be a three or 4% decline in sales this year to last year, but it's not like sales are gonna be down half. And so, Carlos, the truth is, is there's going to be 30,000 sales in your market area this year. There were 30,000 last year. And so if you're not getting your share of the 30,000, I love you, brother, but it's your fault. Please do love me because it's my fault. Yeah, totally. There's plenty of sales and I'm not getting enough shares. Yeah. Love it. And you got to believe that because there's a way to work through that. Bro, anything you want to add? 
So I would just say that, you know, it's not everybody's looking at the at the chat box, but we've had several of our clients going and post what their experience has been coaching with workmen. Um, just with jazz hands, how many of you have enjoyed the presentation with Pete today? How many of you have loved the content and the ideas and the way he's looking at things? Every time I'm with him, I learn something. And I want you to think about that. Every time I'm with Cleve, I learn something different about how to market and message. So, Cleve, thank you so much for just uh, being so willing to give and so willing to share. Um, I've also had, uh, I want to say that to say thank you to um, Don, Deb Parker, and Tamara West, and Tammy Slay, and those who have uh, been workman success clients. It just kind of posted their thoughts and their experience. I'm going to challenge all of you to go ahead and show your screen, Cleve, and so everybody can see the, the landing page. I'm going to challenge you all, go get the download of today's presentation. But more importantly, um, we're climbing Mount Everest right now in our real estate business. And when it comes time to invest in coaching or when it comes time to invest in your personal development, um, the time to do it is when the ducks are flying. I like to say, shoot when the ducks are flying. Well, right now, there's a lot of ducks in the air and you've got to learn how to bring yours in and land it. And it's time to actually get involved in your business. So if you haven't set up a consult or if you're ready to move forward with coaching, just reach out. When you click on that, there'll be an opportunity for you to do that or just click in the chat box and say, have someone call me and I'll have somebody from my team reach out. We want to help you. When we talk about serve regardless of opportunity, that's our philosophy. I, I, I'll promise you this. If you follow the activities that your coach shares with you, coaching will never be an expense. And so with that, I'll just uh, kind of wrap up with a big thank you to you, Cleve. Thanks oh, my for pleasure. your energy. And I want to thanks for everybody attended. What a great webinar. And I'll see you on the next Work with Success webinar. Have a great week, the rest of your week, everybody. Thank you all for being here. I'll leave the chat open just for a few minutes if anybody wants to chat with each other before we wrap it up. And you'll get an entire copy of the presentation, plus all of the downloads, the 30, 60-day benchmarks and 30-day, 30, 60-day, 90-day calendar for the onboarding and development of new agents and agents as they come on. Carlos exactly. says, thank you. Thanks for the presentation. Lots of great information. A lot of gratitude, Cleve. To get those downloads, workmansuccess.com forward slash find inventory, and you'll get the PDF of today's presentation. You'll get the three-page document that outlines those benchmarks, those tranches of training that you need to do over a 90-day period. And you'll also get the actual calendar for training for the first 30 days. This stuff is worth thousands to people uh, who have to pay for it. You know, people ask me all the time, why do people like Cleve share their A material? Why do they give you what they're doing? Why do they give you their named systems? And one of our clients said to us one time, it's because people will copy everything except your hard work. And I just want you to, I want to encourage all of you to do something with the information you got today. Melissa, you're nodding with me because you know that we, we there's all this great information, but you got to do something. So let's go. So decide you're going to do something. We're going to walk out. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye, everybody. Good luck to everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.